Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. So I've been from time to time uh, giving a lot of praise to Amazon and other times very harsh on Amazon. As a very fast-growing, brash company, Amazon is able at the extremes to do an exceedingly good job and at the same time be reckless. And a lot of the recklessness at Amazon involves the Amazon marketplace. If you're not familiar and aware of this, Amazon actually... Most of the stuff on Amazon.com is not from Amazon. Amazon is almost acting like a franchise that sells franchises to people to be listed on Amazon.com. Amazon, in many cases, for these third-party sellers that are listed on Amazon's website, also warehouses their goods for them and fulfills, meaning they deliver them to the customer as well. In other cases, people are only paying to be listed on Amazon like they would be on eBay. The problem that's come up again and again is Amazon has been, unfortunately, allowing people on the marketplace selling dangerous goods, counterfeit goods, goods with unsafe components to it and there was a lawsuit that recently uh, a judge found Amazon responsible for a third-party seller who sold a defective battery that caught on fire. Now the thing is Amazon says it's us but then it's not us. When you go to Amazon.com it's not obvious and apparent what goods, the very small percent that are actually being sold by Amazon from Amazon versus the much larger percent of goods that are being sold from Amazon but not by Amazon. Did I get that right? I guess I could say that either way. They're being sold under Amazon's umbrella, but they're not being sold by Amazon. Amazon itself, a third party. Amazon has alleged all through the years, we got no responsibility for any of that. A product you buy on our website that harms you, if it's not directly from us, not our problem. That product makes you sick, burns your house down. We're not responsible. The court in California found otherwise. And this is going to go all over the place with Amazon. There are going to be other courts that say, no, Amazon's not responsible. And other courts will say they will be responsible. The reality is when we go to Amazon.com, 
generally we're not aware we're not buying from Amazon. Look, if you look closely, it will say who the seller is. Typically on a laptop on the right-hand side, when you put something in your cart, it will show you who is selling it to you, and most of the time it won't be Amazon. Know that in those cases, you're at the mercy of that company selling it to you and the quality that may or may not be there and the safety that may or may not be there. Amazon does not stand behind what is sold on Amazon.com and has been defiant about losing this court case. And Amazon is appealing the case. They say the court's decision was wrongly decided and that they are not liable for third-party products they do not make or sell. So then my attitude, if you go to walmart.com, there's a button right on the left-hand side, and you can click that button, and it will only show you items that are walmart.com items. It will eliminate all those third-party items. If Amazon really doesn't want to have any liability or responsibility for most of the goods being sold on its site, it should have a button on the left-hand side where you can click clear as day like Walmart has, where you can click and you are know right then the, only, the items you will see at that point are the items only from Amazon that Amazon had made or Amazon is directly responsible for. Otherwise, Amazon, what do you have to hide? It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And who's up first? This is from Dale in Mississippi. And Dale says, as I'm growing older, I'm starting to think of what housing arrangement would be best for me. I own my own home, but taking care of the yard is starting to lose its appeal. And realistically, I won't be able to keep up with it in the future. So from a financial perspective, what makes the most sense? Do I buy a condo, rent an apartment, or is there another option that I haven't considered? There used to be a compelling reason to do this transition into a condo because of the tax benefits of ownership that really don't exist anymore. So when you try to decide as you transition from your single-family home to a multi-unit dwelling, it really is going to be just a personal choice whether you want to do an apartment or a condo. There's a lot more flexibility for you in renting an apartment. If you end up not liking the neighborhood you move into, you don't like the apartment, or you don't like the lifestyle that you've moved into, when your lease is up, you're free to go. Uh, But you're also subject to rent increases over the years from that landlord. If you buy a condo, condos are more difficult generally over time to sell than a single-family home. The condo market is just not quite as easy. And so it is not a permanent decision to buy a condo, but it's a more serious one that you need to really think through. I default today more to the flexibility that comes with moving in an apartment than moving into a condo. And let's talk about something a little unpleasant to discuss. At some point when you transition into a multi-unit housing, 
later you may need a different housing situation. If you're in a condo and it's a bad time to sell, that could be a tough thing financially. If you're in an apartment, again, all that's at risk is the remaining time on your lease. Joel? Clark Carroll in California says, robocalls are driving us crazy. Uh We get up to 20 calls a day. We don't answer unknown numbers, but the phone still rings all day. Are there uh, services charging a fee for stopping calls? Are are any of those worth using? So there are, and Joel, tell me, did you have a sense, is this a home phone or a cell phone? You know, she doesn't say, but my guess is probably cell phone. So with a cell phone, There are a number of techniques now available to reduce the number of junk phone calls that come in to near zero. The brand new technology that T-Mobile has launched, I've found has significantly reduced how many make it through their filter system. It's a free thing that T-Mobile offers that hopefully in the next year, AT&T and Verizon will launch similar free services that will screen out most of those calls and they never even ring it's really great another thing you can use with any provider of a cell phone is umail y-o-u mail umail is one of those freemium business services or cell phone voicemail services that has a free version and a paid version but the free version also offers excellent call screening technology that will help you knock out those calls as best as possible. There's also something you can look up, No Mo Robo. No Mo Robo, which is another technology to screen phone calls and try to get rid of as many of those junk phone calls as you can. Kim? Britt in Tennessee says, thank you for your show. I really need help finding some good budgeting software. Where would you turn? I think you can start with Mint, which is free. But if you want really serious budgeting tools that will help you work down your debt and discipline you in so many different ways, the one that people really have liked is youneedabudget.com called YNAB and you need a budget.com is an app that you have to pay for you can try it one month free and then after that you can either pay month to month at 12 bucks a month or you can pay a year at a time 84 bucks now with it they say if you don't like it at any time they will give you a complete refund but obviously somebody giving you that guarantee knows that once people get into the you need a budget orbit that they tend to stick with it so it's a much more focused effort where mint is much more about showing you where you spend your money you need a budget.com is much more drilling down to getting your spending under control and paying down that debt. Kim? It's me. Oh, Joel? Clark Chris in South Carolina says, My son is a rising 10th grader, and his 529 plan is in an aggressive growth fund. The market seems really volatile right now, and with the election coming up, should I switch it 
to maybe like more of a bank deposit portfolio and switch back after everything settles down, I am allowed to make two changes without fees twice a year. Well, I'd say that you're in way too much risk profile now and you're too little profile if you just go into the uh, savings account kind of choice inside that 529. What I would rather see you do is go in the age-based portfolio inside your 529 plan. They may use different language for it, but it's where every typically every two years they adjust the mix of what the 529 money is in to steadily lower the risk leading into college. And then once your child's in college in two years, becomes exceedingly conservative through the college years. And that would be better than bouncing back and forth. You just go in the age-based portfolio that also may be one uh, target entry year portfolio or something like that, that they handle getting the risk calculation right based on how many years you're away from freshman year. Kim? Janice in Georgia says, is this a good time to go for a reverse mortgage? I'm having a hard time keeping up with my bills, insurance, et cetera. So a reverse mortgage when you're out of options is a good choice, but be very careful with the reverse mortgage because they vary a lot in quality and fees. Go to financial counseling that's required by any legitimate reverse mortgage seller first to see if it's appropriate for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daniel's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Daniel, you recently had some profits in the stock market. Is that right? Yes, Clark, that's correct. Well, good for you. How can I be of help? Because it sounds like you've got a good problem. <laughs> it is a good problem. Um, I did sell about 3 k worth of investments, and I'm trying to figure out where to prioritize that money. I have about six months of an emergency fund and I'm trying to figure out if I need to pay down some credit card debt or if I should keep that cash for more of an emergency fund with the current pandemic or if I should reinvest it back into the stock market with hopes that I have an even better problem. So tell me please, what's your job security like? Uh, it's very stable. I'm in the healthcare industry. Okay. So if your job is solid, I don't want you carrying that credit card debt. Uh, that's what concerns me because the average credit card runs an interest rate of about 17%. How much money do you have in that rainy day account? Uh, I probably have about five to 6,000. I would, I would like you to have more rainy day money than that, but you have said your job is secure. But taking the 3,000 that you have from the stock sale and reducing that credit card debt from 10 to seven would be good if you could keep the amount you're paying towards the credit card debt the same as it is now. Having that lower balance would mean 
much more of every dollar you pay every month would go towards wiping out that balance, which is ultimately the goal is to not run any credit card debt because the money you have in the rainy day account, you're at best earning 1% on it. And then with credit cards, you're paying 17%. So that's not a good situation to be in. The credit cards, if if you take the three and put it against the credit cards, uh, how disciplined are you going to be about not letting that balance go up again? Uh, I've been much better about it now since there's not the temptation to go out and spend it as much with everything that's going on. And you know that's the story around the country is that people whose jobs have stayed secure have dramatically reduced their outstanding credit card debt. The banks are squealing about it because they didn't want that. You know, they want you to keep paying those high rates. So I bet. So uh, taking that from ten to seven, and then working to get that seven to zero would be great. I don't. That the reason I asked you how much rainy day you had. With what you've got in rainy day, I don't want you to deplete that to pay off the credit card debt. But I'd like you, when you take this three and take it down to seven, that you come up with what the math is to get that seven to zero in 30 months. There are apps you can download to your phone that will run those financial calculators for you. We put in your typical interest rate on your credit cards, the seven you owe, and tell it you want to pay it off in 30 months. It'll tell you what you've got to pay every month to get that done. You'll be surprised you can get that done. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you have. I wanted to give you, as best I can, an update on what's going on with a new Coronavirus Stimulus Act. So where this started was back in late spring, the U.S. House passed their version of a new coronavirus stimulus law. Really, it's only a bill, obviously, till it becomes law. And then the Senate has not been able to come to any agreement on a new bill that would then go into what's known as a conference committee with the House and come out with a plan that both the Senate and the House could agree upon and send to the president for his signature or veto. So in the midst of this stalemate, what's happened is the president issued a series of executive orders, one of which would replace the now expired $600 a week federal subsidy on unemployment insurance with a temporary $300 supplement. Well, generally the states around the country have not been excited by this because it requires a rework of their computer systems. And so far only seven of the 50 states have agreed to the new $300 additional unemployment insurance. If you're curious, the states are Utah, Missouri, New Mexico, Iowa, Louisiana, Arizona, and Colorado have agreed to the $300 supplement. The rest are waiting to see if the House and the Senate 
can come to some kind of agreement that allows the existing infrastructure of unemployment insurance in the states to be used for this purpose. But it's only one part of what's been an ongoing disagreement, not just uh, between the House and the Senate, but actually there's been a lot of disagreement among Republican elected officials among themselves and Democratic elected officials among themselves, where on the one side you have Democrats who want an extremely large coronavirus relief package, including a very large amount of money for financial relief to states and, to a lesser extent, local cities and counties whose budgets have been pinched by reduced tax collections, and then other Democrats who want a more modest package. And then on the Republican side, there are people who want something more like the more modest package some of the Democrats want, other Republicans who want no package at all. So the lack of consensus inside each political party and the lack of a bill coming out of the Senate has really stalled efforts. But I think that the reports from various companies that their sales are starting to stall out again is going to lead to, particularly with an election in November, is going to lead to some kind of agreement that will have an extension of unemployment insurance likely falling, if I were to guess, 350 or 400 a week is my best guess, plus other forms of relief of various types that will be included in it, but nothing nearly as large as what the U.S. House passed months ago, which was a multi-trillion dollar new coronavirus relief package. I think you'll see something significantly smaller, probably half of what had originally been passed by the U.S. House. But I think the states are going to keep biding their time for a few more weeks before they agree to the convoluted $300 a week supplement because the difficulty for them implementing it, hoping that the House and the Senate do come up with something that everybody can uh, maybe hold their noses and support. The reason I say hold their noses and support is this is a case where nobody really is going to be happy among the political class. But in a case like this where there's such extreme philosophical differences, it's going to require to get a law passed people to go along with things that at first glance they would say, I'm never going to be part of that. I'm never going to do that. It's time for your questions here on the Clark Howard Show that you have posted at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate with Kim up first. Hi, Clark. This is from Bob in Georgia, and he says, I took a 50% of my 2020 RMD in January when my 401k value increased to cover that amount. Since the RMDs for 2020 have been waived, will that amount carry forward to play against my RMD for 2021? I tried calling the IRS, but I haven't been able to get an answer. No, no. So the way that works, the money you took out, you were allowed, uh, this is not how it played at first, but you were allowed to pay back your RMD from this year. You're allowed to turn back the clock. 
at first, the way the initial guidance looked for financial companies was that you would be able, if you were getting monthly distributions for your required minimum distribution, you would be able to discontinue those the rest of the way. But then the final, or can't say anything's final right now, the current guidance is you can actually pay back what you got and eliminate having to do an RMD at all this year. If you're not at all familiar with what I'm talking about, this is for people who, depending on when they hit the age, either at age 70 and a half or 72, you're required to take so much money each year out of your retirement account. And this year and this year only, because of coronavirus, there's a special provision where you don't have to take the money out at all. As for reversing an RMD from earlier this year, you got to act quick. The deadline is August 31st. Joel? Clark David in Michigan says, with the suggestion that the government would forgive $10,000 of federal student loans per student, and with there being no interest charged now through the end of the year, would it be wise to stop paying on my loans and sock away that money to pay them off, depending upon who wins the presidential election? I don't want to pay off all my loans if the government's going to wipe out $10,000 of it, allowing me to keep, you know, essentially that much of my own money. That would be stupid. (laughs) Very well put. So we have no idea how the student loan thing is going to play out. And there are a number of proposals percolating for different kind of plans for paying. And I'd say that although the $10,000 loan forgiveness could happen that's not the likeliest outcome of how this is going to play out but the smartest thing right now with the political equation very much uh under you know in play is for you to take the payment holiday you're allowed through the end of the year and wait to see what does emerge for future student loan relief or forgiveness kim This is from Al in Florida. Al says, one of the credit reporting agencies sent me an alert that there was a hard inquiry from the SBA. I closed my business about six years ago and I haven't applied for any loans. I went ahead and I put a freeze on all my credit reports and I'm trying to call the SBA, but I'm wondering if you could think of anything else that I should be doing. I'm assuming this is a case of fraud. Yes, there has been with the IDLE program and the PPP program, There's been a a fair amount of fraud and a certain amount of identity theft with people filing. The thing for you to be concerned about is whether or not the individual impersonating you was able to get a loan processed that ultimately your social security number was relied upon that you may be getting notices to pay a bill for a loan that you never took out as for reaching the SBA as you discovered that's not going to be easy for now but it will become clear later if there was a loan taken out fraudulently and if that does happen that somebody actually did take out a loan there will be a procedure at some point for you to notify the lender if it's a PPP or the SBA directly if it's an idle loan that you were not a party to this and that this was a fraudulent loan activity but we're not there yet and the things the steps you've taken 
are the right steps. Joel? Clark Debbie in Georgia says, my cruise got canceled. I paid for trip insurance and I'm told that I cannot get my money back and that I can only apply it to future travel. I don't want to travel anytime soon, though, so how can I get my money back for this policy? Unfortunately, your story has been wash, rinse, and repeat. Person after person who bought uh, insurance policies has been told that the insurance policy will not be refunded to you even though the trip no longer exists. This is a terrible decision on the part of the insurance industry because it obviously alienates customers for the future. What I recommend in this case is insurance is licensed by your state. Contact your state insurance department and find out if there's any requirement that would force the trip insurance provider to give you a refund on that policy. And that will vary state by state because every state is given the latitude to regulate insurance as it wishes. Kim? Bill in Missouri says, what is the name of the type of lawyer that can help when a family member passes away? It's called an estate attorney, an attorney who does wills, estates, and trusts. And it is a specialized area of the law. And so if you've ever used a lawyer for any other purpose, you can ask him or her for referral to a lawyer who does wills, estates, and trusts. Or if you know anyone who lost a loved one where the estate was of a significant size, if they wouldn't mind it emotionally you asking, you could ask that individual who they used as a lawyer for will, you know, for probating an estate, and if they would use that same person again, would recommend that person. And I want to tell you, I'm sorry about the loss of a loved one that you have suffered. Joel? Clark Sue in Georgia says, my son has no credit, no credit cards. He's 36, a full-time worker, making around $45,000 a year. He wants to buy a house. So how does he begin the process of building up credit? So there are a couple of ways to do this. One is you could actually name your adult son as an authorized user on one of your accounts. You supply the credit card company with your son's social security number, and that will generate an active credit file. You're essentially lending your good credit name to your son. Now, by the way, this only works if your credit is good and rock solid. And that will help your son establish a credit identity. Then the next step is for him to get a card in his own name. One player that has been very active that has been less so through the instability of coronavirus is Pedal Card. P-E-T-A-L card.com. Pedal Card extends a credit card to someone who hasn't had credit before based on using alternative methods to determine how risky or not risky an individual is. And they issue you a traditional Visa card. And that would be a place to go. The other alternative is to go to a credit union and use one of their Fresh Start programs to get a credit card. Esperanza is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Clark? Good, thank you. You want to run a mortgage riddle by me? I do. So we do um, have a mortgage that we we refinanced a few years ago. 
about six years ago, we have a maturity date of 2034. We pay a point, um, I'm sorry, 4.25, 4.5, excuse me, percent. And we do the biweekly program to lessen the years and the interest that we pay. And that's really paid off to do that. And uh, we don't intend to move from the house for any time soon. We also have a second mortgage that we're paying off um, with an 8.25% uh, that actually ends in March of 2021. And we do pay $303 a month for that, which is a big chunk of change. And I was wondering with the interest rates that we have right now, if it would be worth um, our refinancing the first mortgage and perhaps including the second mortgage along with that. Yes, potentially so. Uh, and I would have encouraged you to not do the biweekly that you're doing and instead to have poured more money onto that uh, second mortgage you have. But it is what you've been doing. So let's talk alternatives. Okay. So at 4.5%, you would be wise to look at doing a refi. You have okay. approximately 14 years left. If you were to do a 15-year refinance right now, if your credit score and standing is good, your credit is good? Yes, sir, and my husband's as well. You're going to get a rate right now uh, somewhere between 25 and 2.75%. Wow. So if you're at 45 now on the first, and you said the second was at what? 8.25. I, yeah, I didn't know at the time that second mortgage is usually carry a higher rate. Yeah, second mortgages kill you because they're in second position, and many times if somebody is unable to pay, they just lose that money at the lender. So that's why you pay a higher rate. So in your case, it would be a great idea for you to refi both of those together into a straight-out new 15-year fixed rate. Okay. And uh, just shop it around. Are you a member of a credit union? I am not. So we kind of left that, um, and we strictly deal with, um, you know, one of the big things that you would probably want us to shy away from. Yeah, the giant but, monster uh, mega banks. Yeah, don't even think about going to a giant monster mega bank for a mortgage. They're really expensive on mortgages. So go find another credit union and find a mortgage broker. You know, that's somebody who can quote you from many different lenders. And look at doing that refi. I mean, in your case, you could even do a no closing cost refi, take a higher rate, like let's say three and a quarter, and you're still going to save a ton taking that four and a half and that eight and a half and uh, putting them together into a new loan at a much, much lower rate. So best to you, go get shopping on it because the rates are so extremely good right now. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.